but I think you two have done podcasts, so it's fine. You know the drill. You've we done also it. expect you to bring your own whistle if you happen to get heated about something. No, just kidding. Rachel's whistle's name is Tabitha, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of whistles in Rachel's talks. You know her thing because a lot of beeps of whistles. That's fine. <laughs> we just love her so much. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Wow. All right. I say we just go for it. I say two. Okay. 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 Hello and welcome to Table for Five with no reservations. Take a seat at the table for a fresh, sweet, salty, tart, and pleasantly bitter conversation. Thank you for taking a seat at the table. Tonight we are starting our back to school series and we thought it would be great to start with a couple guests. Tonight, we have Kirby Morgan and Amanda DeLuca, Master IEP Coaches. They're going to talk to us about IEP stuff. Also with me, I have Jamie. Hello. Jen. Hello. Rachel. Hey, everybody. Kim. Hello. I'm Tabitha. And Kirby, do you want to give a hello? Hi, I'm Kirby. Amanda. Hello, everyone. So we wanted to do just a quick introduction. If you want to start, Kirby, a little bit about you and what you do and where people can find you. Yep, I'm Kirby Morgan. I am a master IEP coach, an IEP advocate. I've been working in this field now for about five years. I have a blog page called Beyond Autism, Jaden and Jackson's Journey. I also co-created an online community with our other guest, Amanda DeLuca, which is called Mastering Your IEP, which you can find on Patreon. And I'll give you guys the information to put in the show notes. And I also have a advocate page called Kirby Morgan Advocate and Beyond on both Facebook and Instagram, where I kind of exclusively share my advocate information and advocacy stuff. And Amanda, tell us who you are. I'm Amanda DeLuca. I live in Ohio. I am the mom of two. My oldest son, Jackson, is diagnosed with autism, and that is sort of how I fell into advocacy because sitting at an IEP table is hard and intimidating, and I knew that I needed to know more, which meant other moms needed to know more. So I became a master IEP coach, and I serve families nationwide, basically. My day job is I'm a dance studio owner and a dance teacher. I also have a nonprofit organization with Kate Swenson of Finding Cooper's Voice called The More Than Project. And for fun, I blog on the side at Jackson's Journey, Jackson's Voice, which has sort of just become my therapy for me. So I'm on Facebook and Instagram. I do have an advocacy page, but I need to build myself back up to sharing on nine platforms a day. So yeah. we won't worry about That's that right now. I was just going to say, you guys are busy. What yeah, it boils down to is these ladies are doing lots of stuff out in the universe. So we are going to talk kind of back to school, some IEP topics tonight, give some people some tips as we head back to the school year. One thing I wanted to start with is new parents who are sitting down for the very first time, kids are in kindergarten, or they've changed programs possibly and had to have a new evaluation, that can be a mind melt because there's no guide to what you're supposed to be doing. So you basically go for the evaluation, you sit down at the table, and then most of the time they just write goals for you and you sign it. And you're like, okay, that sounds great. I don't know what I'm doing. What would you say for the parents who are kindergarten bound as we head into like August setting these goals? What are your tips for them when they 
sit down the very first time to do their very first IEP to make it less overwhelming. Something that Kirby and I talked about just this weekend is make a list of all of your worries. And that doesn't have to be academic. That can be anything in general. Are you worried that your child is going to elope and run into the street? Are you worried that they are not going to understand who is a familiar person and who is a stranger? List out all of your worries and then let's turn those into goals and supports and services because the purpose of the IEP is not just academic. It's to support lifelong learning for our kiddos to help them gain some independence. So if conversation skills or waiting or potty training, those are all things that we can talk about. List all of your worries. Nothing is too big or too small. And then let's look at how can we get this team to help you working on it because you are the driving force of your child's IEP. Like you said, Tabitha, you may get a document with all of these suggestions, but truly you as their parent and what you want and know and envision is what should be driving this document. So start with your worries is my big tip. Where were you hey. seven years ago? I know. I right. That's that. a great tip. That's a great that tip. That's fantastic because you're right. When you come in, the goals are kind of written and you just kind of go, mm -hmm. oh, okay. And I know for me, it, it really wasn't about academics. It was keeping her safe, keeping her in the building, all of those kind of things. And I felt sort of going into kindergarten that I was treading this sort of like, I didn't have the right to ask for her safety. You know, it was a really odd sort of my first IEP. I had no idea. They just presented it to me and it was, that was it. Sign here, please. Okay. Like you just don't know. Yeah. Yeah. One thing our coach said this weekend is you're an adult. You can ask for whatever you want. And I'm like, Oh, you're hey, right. girl. Yeah. But, I'm, but I'm scared to ask for whatever I want. You guys should put that on a t-shirt. That's a great t-shirt slogan. That's a great t-shirt. And yeah. I think parents also, I know for myself going into kindergarten with a daughter with special needs, it was my first rodeo. And I had no yeah. idea. And I treaded very lightly. I didn't want to offend anyone. I didn't want to ask for too much. I didn't know. And so I was very scared going into this initial IEP for her kindergarten year because I just didn't know. I, I think that know. that's everyone's situation. We don't know. One thing me and Amanda always like to stress to our parents is that you're the member of the IEP team that is never changing. You will get new teachers, you will get new therapists, you will get new admins, you will change schools, but you are going to be at that table every meeting and you are the expert on your child. So owning your seat as hard as it is, especially when you walk into a room of professionals around a table and it's intimidating. It's an intimidating situation. It's so important that you really try to align your goals for at home to the IEP because our kids aren't going to be successful unless they learn how to learn. And I don't think you can just walk into kindergarten and just be like, okay, now you learn when you can't even sit down. Like my son was climbing up the shelves to find the puzzle that the teacher hid. So he had to learn. He couldn't do that. And it's a lot of those kinds of things that should be considered in preschool, kindergarten IEPs. Well, I feel like a lot of times the first IEP is broad strokes, right? So it's like blanket goals for maybe every kid that walks into kindergarten, not really tailored down to like your specific needs because some kids might need more social interaction and work with that. Or like you said, sitting down. 
safety, eloping. There's a fear when you're sitting down at that table that you can't really ask questions. Like, do you guys have safety procedures in place? Like, what are the locks in the classroom? Can I take a tour? What does your programming look like? And you don't have to resolve everything in one sitting. That's the other thing is like, I think there's a lot of pressure because they're probably doing 400 IEPs (laughs) before school starts to get things narrowed down in like a minute, but it's okay to say like, I need a break or can we come back next week? Or I need more information, you know, all of those things to empower yourself because school is the number one most challenging thing for me as a parent of a child with a disability. It has been my times I felt the absolute worst about not doing the right thing, not making the right choices and completely, utterly overwhelmed. And I am a person who generally can ask questions. And I was like, get me out of here. <laughs> like, I don't know. Give me whatever you want me to decide. I got to leave. So I think some of those things, which is like something that I think both of you talk about, do you want to talk a little bit about like this person centered approach to an IEP and what that looks like? for not only your kiddo, but for parents too. Like, Well, I will say real quick before Amanda and Kirby speak is one of the things you ladies both talk about is you don't have to sign it yeah. there. And mm-hmm. I was like, and I took that seven years in, like, I don't have to sign this right now. And I did not know I did not have to sign that in that moment because I do hand you that piece of paper and they tell yeah. you to sign there. So yeah, yeah. thanks, Tabs, ladies. It's not like, would you like to sign today? Or yeah. this is available today or tomorrow. And Tabitha as we move forward for the person focus, something to keep in mind is if this is a broad stroke approach and you're like, this is all I can handle right now. Let's talk about an action step. Then let's sit with this for a little bit. Let's collect some data. Let's meet again in six weeks and look at where they're at. Everyone's got their feet wet. Everyone's a little more comfortable in their classroom. The honeymoon phase is over. Cause let's be honest, that's a real thing with our kids and schools and therapy. The honeymoon phase is over. So let's look at where we're at because we may need to amend the IEP, which you can do without a full team meeting, without everybody sitting down at the table, without rewriting the whole document. Let's make some amendments because we need to really hone in on safety. We need to really hone in on those independent life skills instead of just this overall. So it's okay to get your IEP started. Then let's work on an action plan on what is more person-focused. We have some data now. We can see where their struggles are. We can see what's really motivating them to work. We can see what's really reinforcing. Let's sit down, collect all our data, talk about it together, and let's sort of shift our focus, like you said. So it's not just this big blanket statement because there are a lot of common goals and common accommodations. That doesn't work for everybody. We've been working on handwriting for four years. Jackson's never going to be able to love that activity. It's not ever going to be legible we're switching to typing because there's so much that he has that he just can't get out because he's stuck to a paper and pencil. So the team, we've honed in on it and now we can text, we can email. That's a life skill. That's a way to communicate. We do it all the time. They're letting us shift and focus because we've talked as a team about data and decisions and Mm. keeping him motivated at school. So quite frankly, Amanda, who writes anymore? I mean, everything is text or email or whatever it might be. So yeah, that's, that's a great shift actually. And right. And like Amanda's son is significantly younger than Jaden. And we just yanked handwriting out of his IEP because he loves now 
after distance learning is long gone, we've reintroduced the computer and those things. Like right now, he's in the other room carrying around his keyboard that atta- like goes with his Chromebook playing with the letters because he loves letters. So that's really motivating where he can write his name. It's just each letter is 12 inches big. So it takes six it does the same paper. Thing. To write yeah. 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 Well, and I think yeah. that's a good point too for IEPs. We talk about the struggles or we talk about what we need to focus on for goals, but also you can add in their strengths in order to accomplish those goals. So like for my son, he loves dinosaurs and he hates letters and doesn't hate letters. He's not interested in learning letters, should I say? And so like tailoring dinosaurs in with the letters could prompt him to be more interested in the actual thing that he's not liking. So tailoring those things for what you're writing for your IEP. But the real thing is, is like, I love this idea of thinking about things ahead of time as the parent, like sitting down and making two categories, because then you can narrow in to this person-centered approach to boil it down to like, okay, I've had time to think about this. I don't want to go over my 40-page long evaluation with all of the struggles that they've written in there and then write IEP goals. Like I want to also think about all the great things about my kid and all the things that might help them and benefit them without it just being like the feelings of reading a a 40 page long report about your child's struggles, you know? Well, I I always said like, where were you, Amanda and Kirby? Because I didn't know that these people existed. You don't know that stuff going in. I mean, you are at the mercy of the school and you are at the mercy of your heart Mm -hmm. (laughs) and those feelings that you have. I remember distinctively going into the very first IEP. It was an introduction to kindergarten with my special needs daughter. And I was in a room full of special needs parents sobbing. And there was no guidelines for anyone. It was like, here's what you do. Here's what you're going to get. And this is what you need to sign. And there was no kind of fluctuation in that initial IEP. And for people that going into this, um, for our listeners, and we're going to put in where you can find these ladies, I think it is essential to have that backup support. Because they know what you can ask for and, and kind of what you can't, you know, and what's realistic, really. I guess not that you can't. I think can't. it comes down to phrasing, too. Yes. Like, like, yes. yes. Celie would really prefer to have a mermaid classroom is different than my kid is only going to take you seriously in regards to these months if there's something to help her focus on them. Here's 12 mermaid stickers. Please get after it. Phrasing, right? Yeah. Not that you get after it in the IEP. The other thing that I think the girls taught me, um, Kirby and Amanda, that I value so much is I thought that I knew an IEP was a moving document. Like you could adjust the sales and, and whatever, but that kindergarten IEP where Tab said it just felt so blanket, I felt was our starting off point and that we could only cross off one of those things when we accomplished it their way and, or we could only have one thing to go in there. Well, neither of those things are true. And we can just shred that blanket like a master IEP would, coach would, and start over. And who knew? Who knew? I mean, I just Mm -hmm. think it's incredible. We're so used to making amendments out of the gate, like tweak this one little thing and we'll be delighted that you're helping our family because we only ever get really one tweak at a time. But school is not that, you know, they need to meet her where she is and, and frankly, our family and everything else that we have going on, right? Well, and one change... One change at a time isn't 
practical when our kids change by the minute, by the mm -hmm. hour. I mean, mm -hmm. my goodness. Yeah. And I think the school districts bank on the fact that a lot of people don't know you go in, you don't even know what an IEP is. Mm -hmm. They're telling you, oh, we're going to give her speech once a week. We're going to give her OT this amount of time. Like you're not realizing like you could be like oh wait I don't think that's enough like you don't know especially in the beginning and I think that they really take advantage I'm not saying every school system but I think a lot of them just take advantage of the fact that you don't know you you know everything is so new and you're so overwhelmed with everything that you're just like you don't realize they give you that little paper that tells you what your rights are but it doesn't really explain what your rights are. it also <laughs> doesn't tell you that there's a room full of earmuffs in the classroom or that certain helps are just an ask away. You know, you just don't know. Well, I, I think you to give credit to special ed teachers. This happened with Jesse. His special ed teacher is great. And our meetings always go really well and stuff because me and my husband know all these things, thanks to like Amanda and Kirby. And also just, we talk a lot and <laughs> like we asked for a school tour and this is like, all this happened first during COVID. So it was kind of like a weird time to be asking for this stuff, but we're always on top of things, asking this, communicating. And they're like, you are so on top of it. Other parents aren't like this, blah, blah. And I was like, well, have you ever told those parents that they could ask these things? Because mm -hmm. I could have just come in here and just gone with the flow, especially when it came to school tour thing. They're like, oh, no one ever asked for that. And I'm like, well, why don't you offer it then? And then yeah. they're like, oh, like they just, I mean, I get it. They're busy and they have so many kids, but sometimes it's just, you can let them know that they can be more involved and know what's going on. Like you said, Jamie, I didn't, I didn't know that I could ask. Mm -hmm. I mean, I paid a behavioral interventionist $1,800 to come in and evaluate my daughter for half a day. They were binding her feet to the chair because they didn't want her to interrupt the class. She's freaking autistic. And they said where they sat her was behind the play area that the kids got to break in and they made Kaya sit in a chair with her feet bound. I'm not exaggerating. I have it in writing. Her feet were bound to the chair. And so it was all of these things. And she's like, you are allowed to demand this does not happen. And I was so scared to ruffle any feathers in the first, in kindergarten, because I just didn't know that these people, my child was, Kaya was nonverbal. She had not spoken a word yet. And they had my daughter. And I was worried because they had her in her, their care all day. And I didn't know what I was allowed to ask and what I wasn't allowed to ask. Oh. I had no idea what I was, as a parent, entitled to ask for Ter her. Terrifying. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's why I, I have so many strong feelings when I walk into an IEP meeting, because it's like so much could happen here. And a lot of times public school, because we're used to being in therapy centers where it's regulated by HIPAA and all kinds of other regulations. And there's very specific rules on how you have to communicate with parents and what information you have to provide. And I think we go from that environment where it's kind of an open door into public school where it's highly regulated on your contact, what you can do, you know, it feels a significantly more after COVID that you can't be part of the classroom environment or be know what's happening. The details are very narrowed in, unlike, you know, a therapy center or whatever. I wanted to kind of shift from that point to what advice would you give a parent who is heading into this upcoming school year and had a bad experience prior? Because I think that would be very, very hard and just a fresh start with new teachers, new providers. Well, I can discuss this very personally because last year um, in April, Jaden had an incident at school after several incidents. And I decided that 
that school was no longer serving his needs and it was no longer the appropriate placement for him. And I had to pull him out of the school, which was really hard for me because I did like his teacher. I liked the aides in the classroom. I do believe they were truly trying to do their best. However, Jaden just needed more and he needed to be somewhere where there wasn't going to be a I'm sorry, his one-to-one was attending to the peer and that happened and he got into a dangerous situation. That was something I couldn't let continue to happen. So I had to work very diligently and collaboratively, which it was very, very hard for me after all the incidents that happened leading up to me taking him out of the school. Because as a master IEP coach and advocate, I really stress collaboration and working through the issues versus gank your kid and get an attorney and file due process. Because I hate due process. Due process, then you're talking about laws, you're talking about, it's it's not so much about the person. It's not person-centered anymore. It's more like a judge or a mediator determining what, you know, how we can meet in the middle and what would be the best outcome. So I did work through it. Jaden will be entering middle school in a different placement. He has a lot of support going into the classroom and I am going to trust, which is so, so hard. Mm -hmm. I have in his IEP, daily collaborative communication with teachers and staff. I have a whole transition plan for him to meet his team before he enters that school for at least five different times so that when I drop him off, he knows where he's going. I have them modify their sensory corner because of an injury that occurred at school. I am going to do my best <laughs> to drop him off and trust, but I also put on into his IEP, which I have never done before, that with 24 hours notice, I would like to be able to come in and do a brief observation of what is happening. Mm-hmm. And the only way I can sleep at night is to be able to go in there and see that all these things that they have promised and we have worked through from April to June is going to really happen when he shows up in August because it's very easy for them to promise XYZ is going to be there. He's going to have all these supports, but I'm going to need to see that because although I am an advocate and I, although I work collaboratively, I'm still his mom Mm -hmm. and I still need to be able to trust these people I'm dropping my son off to every single day. Kirby, you talked about communication and that's so important, but don't just say daily communication. Is it ABC data? Is it a text? Is it an email? Is it writing in a letter? If you've had trouble in the past with your team, pull out your IEP document and look at every component and say, how can I get more specific? How can that be more specific? How can I fine tune this a little bit? Because then you're not saying, well, I thought you meant, and you thought I meant, let's go through it. Let's fine tune it. And let's make sure that then if there is an issue, we can say, you didn't follow the document and we were as specific as we could be. We really need to make some changes here because there's a lot of room for interpretation in special education, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, free, appropriate. These all mean different things. We need to be as specific as we can to make sure that we're all speaking the same language, because if not, a lot can get lost in translation. 
And I think if you've had trouble with your team in the past, which that's why I do what I do, I had trouble with my team. I knew my son needed behavior support to be successful in the classroom and they were not going to give it to me. I needed data and I needed facts and I needed notes from other therapists to say, this is why, not because I want it because he truly, truly needs it. So let's look at the need and the why, because Kirby and I talked about this over the weekend as well. There's quality and then there's quantity. In the very beginning, I wanted as much as I could get. Now I really want to fine tune that and look at what is the best quality and in what increments and supported by what data and what trainings so that he truly is getting what he needs, not just what I can ask for. And I think that helps your team understand that you want what's best for their safety and their environment for them as a staff member and your child as a student. What a paradigm shift Yeah, from quality to quantity. I mean, that just kind of rocked my world. I think in so many senses, you think like, I don't mean the well-versed ones at the table. I mean me, you know, oh, Seely's getting OT at school. That's fantastic. Can I speak to that therapist? And then we have it listed that we need communication in the IEP. I've even provided a Jamie Ramos book about it. Like it's supposed to go back and forth. I communicate these things. They're supposed to communicate these things. In the front cover, I have more clear direction. And every day I get the book back and it says good. And then behind it is a hold form. Good, hold form. How, how? I mean, you know, you have to really be clear, make your own format. Like it doesn't need to cost a lot to get what you need. And so many things that our kids utilize in terms of therapeutics, like outside of the school district, all look at data. It's the only way, like there, there's a measurable thing that you can track in every issue that you're having. And if you can get to that, then you can get the people that are supporting your family to honor it. This is what I'm showing you. This is what happens. This is what you've told me. Let's handle it. Rather than, I really don't think it's going that well here. Hold form, hold form, hold form. Good, good, good. I like that tip to pare it down to be more specific. Because the more specific you are, the more working document. And if you do get to the point where you have to hit that due process, this was specific. We wrote in detail what we expected from the school everyone agreed you did not follow it that's it if it's like a broad strokes well we provided sensory input or whatever the broad strokes are what does that mean what does that mean to you you can't really enforce that type of goal as much as something that is more specific so that's a great tip I love that yeah, Amanda and I always too like to include the teacher in the situation and say, how is your preferred method of contact? So that you're not expecting like a form to be filled out and they rather just email you, a, they have an email form they want to send every day or you're sending in a note and they don't look for the note, look for email. So we like to consider the teacher in that aspect and say, what is your preferred method of daily home to school communication so that they have an input when you get to the IEP, it's written in the way they prefer so that if you do ever end up in that terrible due process, that was the way everyone agreed and everybody thought would be the best method of communication. And, the, you know, I understand teachers are busy. I don't want you to write me how many grapes he ate to meet a macaroni necklace. I don't need to know that. But I need to know the important things that happened during that day, what services were delivered, 
so that you can keep track of like, um, if services were missed, okay, are we making that up? So I think even just including the teacher in that little part of it, it makes the communication not always happen, but at least it gives the teacher um, some input so that if you, they don't do it, you can hold them a little bit more accountable. Like, this is what you said was your preferred method and it's not working. I love that because for us, like Jesse's preschool teacher, his first preschool teacher, she wanted to just write an email. Every teacher he's had since, they prefer, that's why I made like my little book I did back and forth book. They prefer something where it's just like, check circle all that stuff so yes 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 mm -hmm. and tabitha like you said we need that data if a parent has had trouble with their team make sure that someone is keeping notes at that meeting don't just assume because they're passing the computer around and if you come to a tough spot stop and say let's read over that let's make sure we're all on the same page here before we move on because a lot of times they're like we'll just attach the pro one at the end okay well i want to know what it says before we dismiss mm -hmm. this meeting because there's a lot going on. And if you disagree and that's gonna happen and that's okay, I want that noted. We did not come to an agreement today. We're gonna all take a few days. We're gonna collect some data and we're gonna come back on Tuesday, the 12th of whatever, not we're just gonna come back. So it's a nice way to stop and regroup and pause at the table. Like you said, some people need a break, then let's read through these notes. Let's make sure everybody's on the same page. It says what we think it says, and then we can move on, so. And I think for parents, it is so hard uh, to sit in an IEP meeting and see in writing all the things your kid cannot do. Mm -hmm. All of the goals your kids are not meeting. I mean, that is so hard on a parent's heart. And that I did not know you could not sign that paper right then and there. I did not know that I could take a break. I did not know that I could write in things that I feel my child, I mean, I know you can't hear, see me right now when you're listening, but I did not know I could do those things. And so yeah. to know that you have the right to say, take a breath, I need to go back and read this. I'm not signing this right now. I'm gonna amend it, bring it back. I think for our listeners right now, that is so, so important to hear. You and not even just the right, but like, do that. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. Do that boldly. Do that strong. Look well, up I, the words that you don't know. The thing is, is like uh, my mind shuts off a skosh when all the acronyms start flying and all the words mm. that I don't know. Like if I don't understand 15 of the words you're saying, lost, I'll probably be sweet and agreeable. Like, yeah. Oh, that sounds like you know what you're doing. Right. I, I'd rather I blame at home and educate myself, you know? I blame Sal. I'm going to take this home so that my husband can read over it. The thing oh, yeah. I was going to say too, is it's a learning curve, right? Nixon's IEP experience was completely, utterly different than Nora's IEP experience. So luckily for my daughter, I had my son first. And when I went into that IEP meeting or the MET evaluation, should I say her evaluation process was completely different. I was like, here's the deal. We're not going to talk about my daughter in front of her talk. If we need to come back later, like you can observe her. I don't want her talked about as if she's not in this room. I just went in there guns blazing. I mean, very cordially and, and polite with a sweet voice, but I have so much, sweet <laughs> I have so much guilt over my son's experience in his evaluation. And I sit in meetings for a profession. I was so angry about that now i'm gonna cry oh dang like it not, dang it every, every parent <laughs> feels that way 
I yeah. went to my first son's IEP meeting. My husband's like, you want me to go? I'm like, no, I got this. I read about an IEP. It's a legal document. I was in law school for two and a half years. This will be fine. Like I got this. <laughs> then I got there and there's all these people. And I'm like, what is happening? Like, and the teacher, I was completely intimidated. The teacher was reading the evaluations and I knew in my gut, they didn't match my son. They were by the end of the year, he's going to be able to tell us if his head hurts or if his like stomach hurts. And I knew that wasn't where he was at and they're in La La Land, but I wanted to be in La La Land. I wanted my son to be able to communicate with me. And I was completely blindsided by the experience and then letting him go into the classroom and getting calls every single day. Like, hey, Jaden's climbing and throwing all this stuff out of the cabinet. I didn't even know I can say, well, can you put cabinet locks? Why don't you have a lock on your cabinet? And why doesn't he have a one-to-one to stop him from climbing? Things that I felt like I should have known. So the reason I do this, I think Amanda too, is because we were those parents that walked mm-hmm. in trusting and hoping that what you say is what we're going to get. And you're the professional and you know Without me knowing, I have a voice and I need to speak up because I know my son better than all you people sitting at the table. And he is about to be 11 and go to middle school, which I I could start crying now because I'm so not prepared for, even though I have him in, I think, an impeccable program and I'm very open-minded and trusting, but I didn't know either. And I think a lot of parents need to give themselves grace because nobody prepares you for this. Yeah. I always tell my husband, well, if nobody tells you, how are you going to know? Mm-hmm. I think a big thing too is people assume that the school and everybody has your child's best interest and that's not always the case. And a lot of times it's not the case. I feel like teachers, yes, often do have the child's best interest, but they're not going to speak up always in front of the administration if they know the administration doesn't want them to. And Alyssa, she was very clear cut. There was no question she needed supports. The school could not support her. She was in a level, what would be comparable to a level three program? Because at that time, there was no way that they could support her, handle her. It was no question. She got everything. I didn't, and I did, I was, I was like, okay, sure, that sounds good because, you know, they they were more able to do that for her. But I have a daughter who has ADHD. You know, she doesn't have behavior. She doesn't have an intellectual disability, not clear cut. She was diagnosed with ADHD at the end of third grade, and we never got her on an IEP. And it took until eighth grade to get her on a 504 plan. And only because they thought we had an advocate with us, which she wasn't an advocate, but like, we were just going to let them think that she was one. So, <laughs> and at work, and she was literally was like, well, can she go on a 504 plan? And they were like, oh yeah. All I had to do was ask. They never, they never told me I could ask. I mean, I don't know where Amanda was in my life at the time, but my daughter struggled immensely with school, but they were like, it, it was inconsistent. Her score was low average, but they weren't below average. They always, in when they do the flow chart, they're like, um, nope, she does progress. And it's like, not really. (laughs) You know what I mean? They just, and I didn't know. I didn't know if they said, no, you could fight it. Like, you know, you, you go in there trusting these people and in this administration at that time, they didn't have her best interest. They were not wanting to have IEPs. They put her on um, a general education plan, which the district did away with because 
they had these lists of accommodations that any child could get. So you wouldn't have to be on an IEP for that, which it does make sense in certain situations. But my daughter out of 30 check boxes had 25 out of the 30 checked off. Oh my gosh. So that's like not what those plans are made for. Obviously, if you need 25 out of 30, then you need some services. But they kind of, I didn't know that you could, you know, I didn't know that you could fight them. And my experience with Alyssa was so easy with her behaviors. All her stuff is just so, just such a different level that it was, of course she needed speech. Of course she needed, her ratio was um, one teacher to two children. Like she had all those things because that classroom when that program was set up for it with Lexi, she struggled and like, I think she just learned to like fake it. So then, you know, they're going, oh, she just doesn't want to do her homework. Or she just, and it's like, no, because she's not jumping off the tables. They're not, you know, it, it was a very hot experience because as, as a mother, I felt like I was failing her because I thought we went to an outside psychologist. They had pages of recommendations and they were like, no, she doesn't need these. And I didn't know. Nobody didn't really know. like opens their wing and lets you be under there to like teach you and guide you the way through. It's not like, oh, hey, kindergarten parents, we're going to pair you with a third grader bad mom and a fifth grader bad dad and you know, you guys can teach each other the thing. It's, it's well, want so isolated, right? The hard part for me comes down so much to budgets and this availability and this like short staffing issue that all of us have to take care of. It's gotten pretty complicated. We right now, Celie's in a foster care placement. She goes to ABA three days a week because of staffing that she's recommended to be there five. We just moved into a new school district, which in theory could resolve a lot of the things that we had struggled with before, but it's just like starting again. You just feel at the mercy of so much, like so much interpretation, so much. Like if I say the wrong thing about transportation, we're starting with Seely going on the bus versus if I say the right thing about transportation, Celie has her own vehicle to get from the school to the level four school. You know, like it just feels like so much pressure and each of your words get response or like the halt thrown up. So something, Rachel, that I think is helpful for parents and Kim, like you said, it feels like they are just cranking these IEPs out because they all fall into these habits and it's not the policy and it's not data driven and it's not what IDEA says. It's habits that they're copy and paste and copy and paste 90 minutes of speech at a small group setting. And let's mm -hmm. just keep cranking this out until the one mom says, small group doesn't work for me. They need one-to-one -one. or well, if we're checking 25 boxes, did 26 mean then we got services? Like where, where was the yes right. category here? So I think really talking to them and being like, well, let's look at what your policy is. And then they're like, well, sh she knows what she's talking about. She's the mom. So now we need to put our A game on because she's going to ask us questions and she's going to really dig in because not every parent wants to. I mean, I know students who their school sends the IEP home, the parents sign it and they send it back in an envelope. And I'm like, you trust them that much? Like I envy your ability to do that because I'm <laughs> high strung nine days a week. <laughs> Me too. So, Me too. Welcome right, to the so, table. Have we said that yet? Yeah. Not, it's a high strung nine days We're a week. We're filled with anxiety over here. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I think just starting with that, well, let's look at your transportation policies. Let's look at all of the options so that they're yeah. like, well, yeah, we need to serve it up on a silver platter because she wants to look at all the options before she decides. 
it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to do that, but you have to just know that if, like Kim said, if you're not asking, they're not going to give it to you. Yeah. Sadly, it's the world we live in. Yeah, and I think Amanda and I have both been asked at our child's IEP meetings, how do you know that? How do you know about that? Well, because I do. And once you say that, there are red flags and they, like, you see the eyes get really big and then everyone's like, oh, I don't know if I can say that. Oh, whistle. Oh, whistle. Rachel, handle that whistle. Right? Everyone's oh, whistle goes off. (laughs) They're like in a different, all of a sudden you see things shift. You see Mm -hmm. their answers change. The way they talk to you change. And it's when I saw that in real time for the first time, that's the whole reason I do this. I was like, I am That's the thrill of the roller coaster for Kirby. I can see that. Where you see the paradigm shift in them, you're like, oh, I got them. (laughs) I was like, that's it. I'm going to tell every mom I know. I'm going to scream it from the rooftops. And you guys are going to really, like, every time I went on to Jaden's first grade campus, I would get uh, on, they would go on the radio and say, HP, there's an HP, there's an HP. That means high profile parent. I didn't know that, but I was like, oh, I'm a I told, I got in the car and told Jeremy, I'm a celebrity here. <laughs> but asking these things doesn't mean you're arguing. You're simply asking questions. And that's another right. thing. And, you know, I, I was, I get angry. I mean, we're all allowed to get angry, but a lot of the time it's just me saying, why? What gets us to a yes? Show me the policy. How many minutes are too many minutes? Why is the staff not available? I mean, and sometimes their answer is, I don't know. I'll have to get back to you because no one has ever asked before. Yeah. Good. Write well, that in your notes, ma'am. I'd expect that in my email in three days. <laughs> well, the other thing yeah. I was going to say is I think advocating, I know for myself, that's come a long way. I'm not combative. I'm not accusatory. I don't yell at them. I try to work with my daughter's team. And, and in the beginning, and I'm, I want to be clear, there was a lot of mistakes in the beginning on both sides. Well, no, actually their side. They lost my kid in the pond, but we don't need to talk about that in this episode. But I didn't know what I could ask. And so instead of asking in nice ways, I was combative. And I thought, you know, that was the way, that is not the way to advocate. That is not the way to work with your child's team. And I think Listen Amanda and Kirby, you can Jen done. I know. <laughs> um, I work with her team now. We are very collaborative. Yeah. I'm, she's in a center now. She's in a great place. They come to me. What do you, do you think this will work? And I've sent Kirby and Amanda her IEP goals kind of through the year because we had a lot of questionable things. And then at the end, they're like, oh, look at that. You know, it was like, but it was a sort of team effort. And I respected the process, but I also had a voice without being combative, if that makes sense, yes. right? Yeah. I keep taking notes because there's just so much to talk about, but (laughs) I want to wrap up with, and we need to have you guys back because there's just so many things to hit on this IEP stuff. The thing that we've all been talking about is like, what are your tips to empower a parent to Mm -hmm. say no? Because like for me, I was asked by a school psychologist to provide all of my son's therapy notes. And immediately I said, no, I'm not doing that. You don't need a deep dive into all of his therapy notes to do his met evaluation. And they were taken back by it because I was like, no, we're not doing that. If you need specific information, I can A, get a letter from the therapist, or I can provide a specific page if you're looking to tailor in mm-hmm. his IEP goals based on you know what's written on a certain page. 
And I know that because I am an attorney and I don't have a problem at this point in time saying I'm, we're not doing that. But I think most parents go in and feel pressured. And I felt pressured in that situation because of the reaction I got when I said no. I was like, yeah, no, still no. <laughs> I, I was taken back by the energy shift, which you're pinged at a lot in, in our lives. We feel things underneath the surface that aren't actually said out loud. What would be your tips to empower parents to find their no, or even just like the empower them to say, give me a minute, or I need to step out of the room or take a breath. This is too much, you know, whatever the language is, what would you say for that? So for me, I always reach out to the team ahead of the meeting and say, here is my parent input statement. And that gives you the lead on the document in the meeting. So that's writing down all of those worries, taking the letter from your therapist and them giving you their best tips and tricks on what does work, what interests him and what doesn't, putting that in there, what are goals for your family, what you will not tolerate, because I put that in there. He cannot have a staff member who misses a ton of school. Sorry, but we don't miss a ton of school and he is an eloper and he has to have a one-to-one. So mm-hmm. he needs someone who is consistent and on time and there. I will not have a yelling teacher and because I've, my, I've had them, I've seen them. He needs someone who can stay calm and neutral in their classroom and still command the room, but it's not by them yelling and raising their voice and all of those things. And all of that is in our parent input statement. And I send that about two weeks before our meeting and say, when you're ready to send a draft document, no less than five days before the meeting, I would like a copy of that so that I can come to the table with equal amounts of information. And then I take that and I write down my notes so that when I do have questions, I'm reading from a script. I'm not thinking on the fly. And it's a lot easier to point at something that you have written down and make your sow read it or you read it or say, I think I had a question about that instead of just trying to keep up with this information. And if your team says, we can't give you a draft for 900 ridiculous reasons, okay, then we'll just have to reschedule. And you can say that in an email. Here are the three times that work best for me. Let me know when you're ready. It does feel like you're not being a team player, but neither are they because sending a draft is common courtesy and sending you the same amount of information is required in most states, not all. So you have to take your role at the table seriously because you are important and you do know your child best. And yes, they're the professionals, but so are you. And your mom gut is never wrong. So if something doesn't feel right or there's something that's not addressed, talk about that. It can be in an email, it can be in the letter you send to them, or it can be on a piece of paper you slide to somebody else to say at the meeting. I mean, yeah. (laughs) What about you, Kirby? My advice would be, and this is my favorite little tidbit I give all the time, is own that seat. You are there for a reason. And I know that being at a table with all these professionals, with all these titles, and you're just mom. I'm sorry, but mom has been there since day one. Mom is up in the middle of the night. And your data and the things that you observe and the things that happen outside of school are just as important as their data that they're taking in the classroom, that they're taking about IEP goals. So own it. Know that no matter how many professionals are there, that your worth is the 
biggest wealth of knowledge that you can give that team because they see all different kinds of kids, especially at the very beginning. They don't know what's walking in their door. So it's your job as the mom to front load as much as you can. And as Amanda said, we really love parent input statements and we, we really stress, it's not a dumping ground for your complaints and everything that you don't like, or it's the important, the nitty gritty. Like Amanda said, we always write down those important scripts, like just so that if you're in a meeting and they just told you everything your child cannot do and everything they are behind in and everything that is just gut-wrenching. It's gut-wrenching as a parent sometimes to hear that stuff. At least you have these little snippet notes that you can look down on as a script and just respond. And all parents should know you can bring anybody to the IEP meeting. That means your neighbor, whoever, even if they're just taking notes. And if you need to pass them a note because you're in a moment, you can do that. I was alone at the first IEP meeting because I thought I had like, no problem, I got this. And then I learned real fast that you need a, you need a journey, just like Amanda has a sow. Because I, when it's my son, I consult with Amanda because I get revved up. And my husband has like, he rubs my back little tactic, like you're getting crazy now. <laughs> Stop it. Oh, but at the same time, <laughs> a lot of time you feel like you're getting talked down to. And because you don't have some official title behind your name, you know, like SLP or that applies to the school district where mom is enough mom of this child, you're an expert and own your seat. I will say that I got very fortunate Kaya's SLP sat in on my second IEP meeting because I got railroaded and she really went out of her bounds to stand up for me. But Kaya's um, occupational therapist who we've worked with for, we interviewed Chelsea on a podcast she knows Kaya inside and out. She did a get to know Kaya binder and she let them know when she's doing this vocal stim, this is why. When she's doing this sound, this is why. When she's doing this, 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 this. And she literally handed them a gift of here is Kaya done. You need to understand that when she's in this state or the state. So that is kind of ties into exactly what both of you said. I had that backup person. Um, I'm still looking for a husband. So get member table for five at <laughs> gmail.com. Yes. Uh, we're still accepting entries, um, but I had her SLP and her. I don't know if we want to say entries. Do you want to say entries? Entry, probably not entries. Yeah, that's not good because we don't need to full shizzle this. <laughs> and that's for a whole other podcast. Um, <laughs> that will come but, out later. <laughs> on the table another podcast. The my details. dating catastrophes. But it was literally a binder they gave, that Chelsea gave her new team to get to know Kaya. Mm -hmm. And I was like, thank you. Because it, it just really kind of jump-started them to understand all of the things that could be happening and why they I love happening. that too, that binder, because it yeah. not only brought the struggle, but it brought the solution. And that's, yes. that I try and bring when I'm meeting with a team member, I feel like, hey girl, my Hellcat's going to run this place if you don't blah, blah, blah. And like, you have to, you have to let people know. And like, Mr. Principal, you might want to put a cup on, Mr. Principal. Like, the, like we are aggressive. <laughs> well, and railroad I, is such a good word that yeah. Jen just used because it's literally, I think, what can happen when you're by yourself. Because they will just keep going over and over to get what they want. And then you're kind of like sitting there. They're not there for you. They, they have their own agenda. And I know that sounds harsh and that sounds terrible, but like they have a job. This person is the liaison for the school. Her job is to save the school money. Her job is not to support 
your child. The teachers work under these people. So they will go to bat for your child, but only to a certain point. So it, it is, you can literally get railroaded over. Like this happened to us where they try to bring Alyssa back into the district at age 18 after she had been in level three since she was three years old. And it wasn't an appropriate setting for her. And I knew that. And they kept literally railroading me. They were like, oh, she's got to come back to the school district. This, the, And they had a general ed classroom which isn't appropriate for her. Like the, she's nonverbal. Like these kids are doing, they're doing schoolwork. She doesn't do schoolwork. Like she doesn't, she can't sit there and silently read. I was like, well, how do they do the cafeteria? Should they go to the cafeteria independently. I'm like, absolutely not a high school cafeteria. No way. And the teacher actually did stick up for, I mean, I think she was sticking up for herself because she knew that Alyssa would be a hard fit in her classroom. She didn't belong in there. Um, and they were like, well, we can give her an A why would you give her an aid when she has everything she needs where she is now and only really my anxiety and fear of her being somewhere that like that is what got me to speak up I left this meeting crying because I was like they're not gonna let me do it I didn't know that I could just say no I did not have that knowledge that I had that power we stopped on the way home I was going back to work and my husband's like let's just go grab something to eat and as we walk into the sub shop I see two special needs girls and I was like wow they look familiar and I'm like I think they were in that classroom because we did get to go and see the classroom and they were by themselves and then I saw the teacher come in 10 minutes later she had gone to the grocery store that was in the same plaza and these two girls were alone in the sub shop hell no 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 I go this now you put me in a different mode because there's no way just the fact that that could happen without me knowing is saying that it's inappropriate for her and I called them up and I was like there's just there's no way and they said oh they had I don't care who they had permission from that's putting those children in a vulnerable situation it's a a very busy like it's like a plaza with like a sub shop a CVS a stop and shop like I mean they could come out there's just no way that that's not appropriate for Alyssa I had her fight for two years and Finally, one person said to me, you can, she pulled me aside. She was from the developmental disability. She came into the meeting because of the fact that Alyssa would be transitioning. And she was like, you can say no. And I was like, why are you in two years? I've been fighting with these people and nobody told me that I could say no. Like I'm saying no, (laughs) it's no, but people don't know that. And they make it, they make you feel like you can't say no. They were pushing so hard. They want her back in the district because it would save them a lot of money if she was in the Mm -hmm. district. But it was an appropriate placement for her. It's just really hard to like wrap your head around the fact that people are not doing what's the best interest for for your child. I feel like you feel like they are. It seems like they are sometimes, but they're they're not always doing that. It's such a scary world, Kim. Mm -hmm. I I totally hear you. I had, and the teachers, they are only able to do what they can. I had Jaden's teacher. One day I dropped, I was picking him up and she had a sticky note. I didn't know what she was passing me I know she's giving me a legal contraband I had no idea but she put a sticky note in my hand and passed him on to me and was like google that it it said google and the name of the assessment I needed for him to get a one-on-one and because her hands were tied and she needed that support in the classroom and it was like she was the one that was like propelling me to obviously do this it was amazing because she left that year and I could tell she left because she her hands were cuffed and it's sad but yeah. there are so many different layers of 
special yeah. education from funding to state money where Jaden is valuable. Why? Because California has a really great program called Medi-Cal yeah. and they pay the schools a lot of money. So Jaden to them is valuable. So we are doing our last option doing um, at the school before we move to a non-public school due to his incidents, but they want to keep him there with every ounce of their mm -hmm. being because of the funding aspect that he brings in. Yeah. And everyone needs a Kirby and Amanda, which we're going to yes. link all of their stuff to. Thank you guys. Um, yes. Thank you for joining us. I'm part of their um, pay, 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 Patreon. 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 Thank you. Yes, that. It's wonderful. The tips you guys put in there. I love it. I love being a part of it. So thank you for doing it. Everyone needs to join it. It's fantastic. So we're going to link it in the descriptions. And by we, I mean Tabitha. And um, <laughs> <laughs> things that Kirby and Amanda can help you with. If you need someone to advocate for you, they can help you through that process. If you want just general information, join their Patreon and they have tips and they do Tricks videos and, yeah. and all kinds of stuff. Also a book. It's called IEP 101 and it is on Amazon. However, if you join Patreon, you get the book for the same price that you would Perfect. purchase at Amazon because our goal is really to teach and empower as many parents that we can with as much information as we can. And realistically, we are only two moms doing the best we can but wanting to scream off the rooftops. Mm -hmm. So we want to help and serve as many special needs parents as we can. The book's on Amazon, but on Patreon, there's a full like hour in-depth where we go through every page and provide all the background information for why we highlighted each thing. So it's it's a good bundle over there. And Tabitha, like you said, we could talk about this forever. And I think another yeah. point that would be great to talk with Kim about, and Jen, it's coming up for you is transition because that's another railroad process yeah. because yeah. they want to make you wait and Yes, we for sure. I mean, there's Hi, just Mark. so much information that is unknown. And especially mm -hmm. as you're going, there's like so many milestones, like you first get into school, then you're K through five or six until you hit junior high, junior high is a whole new, another bucket, high school is a whole nother bucket. And then adulting is, you know, what do you do when your kid ages out of the public school system? So we love this information. I took notes for my own self mainly don't freak out on the people at the school take a breath yeah. come back later <laughs> contact Kirby and Amanda yeah, I mean, possibly just calm yourself down well, and I have to say I know we're wrapping up but I, I want to mention this because I, I think it's important um, I had an incident with my daughter Lexi who has ADHD where I was speaking to her teachers about her issues and one of the other teachers came looking for her 504 plan and the teacher goes, no, she's not on one. And he's like, no, she, she is, she has to be, you know, seasoned teachers, they know at this IEP meeting crickets, no, they said nothing to support the fact that she needed support, not a word. Both of them had conversations about her needing supports. But when we came to that table, they did not say a word. So obviously they felt that they couldn't for a reason. So even mm -hmm. though the teachers will go to bat, sometimes they won't. You know, and my daughter was denied supports that, that she needed. The teachers said to me that she needed them. I just think it's important for people to know that these things happen. We will come back. We'll chat some more. If you have burning questions about IEPs, you can reach out to Amanda or Kirby or something that you think would be helpful to people to address on our podcast. 
as kind of like more of general discussion because we all come from different avenues and stages of elementary school or wherever we've been, let us know. You can send it over to us. Thank you, Kirby and Amanda, for joining Thank us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank, you. Thank you so much for joining us. We need a part two. <laughs> yep. We're here for it. Let us know. Thank you for joining us at the table for episode one of our 12th series, Back to School. To learn more about Kirby Morgan, Amanda DeLuca, and their amazing resources, check out the links in this episode's description. If you enjoy our podcast, please subscribe and rate and review us. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. If you'd like to contact us, you can at tableforfivepodcast at gmail.com. We have new episodes every Monday. Join us next week for episode two, where we'll talk all about our kids' first time entering school. We'll see you there. Bye.